here we go. It's finally here, everybody. The moment we've been waiting for for a long time. Really, since I launched this website and started the podcast way back in July, the 50th season of Michigan high school hockey is officially underway uh, with tryouts beginning across the state yesterday. Uh, and just so much going on, so much to be excited about. So without further ado, let's talk some hockey. Um, you know, I mentioned the 50th season of high school hockey. I, I kind of came across that over, over this off season during the, during the summertime, doing some research and getting things together for the website and kind of just stumbled across the fact that it's the 50th season, um, in the state of Michigan. And, and that's a really huge accomplishment, something uh, that should be celebrated, obviously, all season long. Uh, been talking with the coaches association and, and kind of talking about ways uh, we can kind of highlight that. I th- I've mentioned it on previous episodes too. Um, wanting to maybe spotlight some of the significant stories over the last half century of high school hockey in the state. So pretty wild, um, and a lot I think we could get into, and, and really might end up only scratching the surface in terms of you know trying to. Um, encapsulate 50 years of high school hockey. So um, got some good ideas, maybe some guests on the podcast, uh, blogs for the website, uh, whether it's mine or whether it's for uh, the high school hockey hub. Either way, you know, fans of high school hockey will certainly be able to, to find it this season. Um, so again, special season, historic season. Uh, you know, I, I was doing some digging 50 years ago. St. Clair Shores Lakeview, which I believe is now part of SCS Unified program, uh, and Lansing Catholic Central, currently part of the Cap City Co-op, both laid claim to the first ever MHSAA state championships uh, in Tier 1 and Tier 2, respectively. So a big shout out there. 50 years in the making and just, it's it's hard to believe, but it's, it's kind of, it's very awesome in the same breath too. So looking forward to that. And if you didn't, now, you know, so it's a big, big season coming up for a lot of reasons. Uh, Obviously, definitely because of the 50th season and and obviously hockey's just back. We're back. It's November. There's tryouts going on. I got still October, but nonetheless, there's tryouts going on. Scrimmages coming up soon, games after that, showcases, the whole nine couldn't be more fired up and, and ready to go. So uh, it's been a minute. I was off last week, so let me do a bit of a roundup of some things that have happened uh, in the last couple of days, couple of weeks. Uh, I saw 18U Bigby topped Fox Motors in a two-to-one overtime game on Sunday. Uh, they were my number three and number four teams uh, in the state at the 18U level. So a good close matchup there with uh, with the chalk prevailing uh, in, a, in a close game. So I like to see that. Uh, Big B now has won three in a row. Uh, I believe they're now 12-8-0 on the season and, and potentially starting to get some things going in the right direction there. Uh, six of those eight losses are by two goals or less. So look out there. That's, that's pretty wild. You know, even – I like to see a lot of stuff like that. Like even in defeat, you know, still contending, still in the hunt, still close, even right down to the wire. So uh, Big B, you know, you're looking at six games potentially that could have gone either way, uh, which would basically flip flop their their overall record there. So uh, what else? 16 U Caesars narrowly escaped an, another upset attempt by none other than Fox Motors. 
uh, you know, that 16U Fox team is, is, is really solid, scrappy, just plays the game the right way. Um, and I've been talking about them all season. Uh, the potential for upsets and potential to steal one here and there. I know I, I highlighted one earlier in the season uh, where they pulled off a bit of a, a stunner there too and, and almost pulled off another one there against Caesars. But the 07 Caesars, now my top team in in that age group. Uh, if you check out the latest rankings on pdspicks.com, uh, it's all there as well. Uh, but again, om- narrowly escaped almost uh, – almost, uh, Victims of an upset there at the hands of Fox Motors. Um, one more, too. This was, a, you know, obviously two weeks ago now almost. Um, but didn't – I wanted to make mention of it. 15-only VH won the Motown Classic there uh, right here in town in, in Metro Detroit. Um, that tournament painted a pretty good picture for the, for the state rankings, as I mentioned on the website, um, and updated those this morning. Uh, plus everything, you know, everything I talk about today in the conference previews, it's all going to be posted on the website. So, uh, you know, be sure to check that out. Um, and let's see here. Yeah, I did want to, I did want to mention the Motown classic, right? The, I like it because you get a lot of, you know, you get, um, the MDHL and the MHA, um, competing in that you get some of the Metro Detroit teams competing as well. I mentioned VH winning the tournament. It's a good litmus test, a good um, measuring stick there. I think for how the high school AAA programs rank against the, the Maha programs. So I like it for that reason. Uh, you know, it's good for, for people to kind of see where and, and how some of the best high school players stack up against that AAA competition of the same age group. So um you know, good showings there. And, and obviously you can check out the rankings to kind of see where I see those teams fitting in, um, in the mix with those Maha teams. So, um, so yeah, check that out on the website. And obviously if you haven't by now, what the hell are you waiting for? It's hockey season. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, connect with me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, I'm even on threads now that Twitter is kicking around the idea of going to a paid model. So I got three, get at me on threads all of them some whatever you're comfortable with i'll keep you posted on all things high school hockey all season so be sure to connect with me on any one of those platforms including right here live on youtube so uh okay speaking of high school hockey i was talking about the mdhl and mha right so um we're going to continue with our conference previews i've got four left on the slate I'm going to cross two of them off the list today. We're going to get into the OK Conference out west. We're going to get into the Great Lakes Conference up in the UP. Um, I'm not sure I'm going to set a time limit on these two because there's just there's a lot of teams, there's a lot of players, there's a lot of storylines, things to get into. I'm not going to handicap myself with a 10-minute time limit. I'm just going to get through all the content I have written down. However long it takes me, it takes me, and we'll go from there. So without further ado, let's go out west, and we'll get into the OK Conference. Um, The structure of this league I absolutely love. If you're not familiar with it, uh, maybe new to high school hockey, you know, maybe you're in the Metro Detroit bubble and you don't 
quite necessarily know what's going on around some other areas of the state or maybe up north or, or whatever it may be. Um, the OKC, it's 18 teams in the conference. There's three divisions, Baum, Fisher, and Rue, but there's two tiers to the conference. And it works in a similar fashion or a similar structure to, and this is what I love about it, um, the promotion and relegation of uh, European soccer. Now, I'm not a soccer guy. There's next to nothing I like about the sport. But the idea of promotion and relegation is something uh, that I definitely love and, and can absolutely get behind. So if you're not, again, if you're not familiar with that, the two tiers if you're in the bottom tier of the conference, but you are the best of that tier, you get bumped up to the, to the top tier for the next season. Conversely, if you're the bottom team in the top tier, you drop down to the secondary tier for the following season. It's a unique structure, again, whether it's European soccer, whether it's here in the OKC, I think what it does is it absolutely um, helps balance the competition right? Being the best of the lower tier, you're rewarded by being lumped in with the top teams. If you are the bottom of that top tier, clearly you're, you're struggling with competition and competing at that level. So we're going to drop you down to the second tier where it's a, a bit more your speed. I love that structure. Um, I don't know that there's too many more instances of conferences around the state that could, that could even function that way. Um, but it's, it's just an exciting format that I absolutely love. And I don't think gets quite enough attention. Um, you know, I know in the soccer circles in Europe, being relegated, being promoted is very much a big deal. Right. Um, I'll let the, the soccer nistas speak more on that, but I just, I know how much of it can be a big deal. If you're the kind of that secondary or lower tier to get promoted to that top tier and compete with some of the top teams, it's, it's a big deal. And similarly, you don't want to get relegated. You don't want to be that bottom team that that gets bumped down. Um, so nonetheless, uh, Hudsonville, it, it, this is as far as I can tell anyways, Hudsonville earned that promotion. They're getting bumped up to the Rue this season uh, while West Ottawa drops down. Uh, they're going to go to the Fisher division for the first time in five seasons. They're, they're dropping down. Um, so then the, the two upper divisions basically there's two divisions in that upper tier that essentially compete and and um cross competition there similar to a lot of the other conferences um i've talked about so far this preseason uh, and we'll get into next week too with um you know the mihl has two divisions the klaa has two divisions the okc functions in a similar way where they have those two divisions in the top tier and then like i said that the the third division making up that second tier so uh as far as i can tell with everything on the website uh byron center was that top team in the okc um with, with an undefeated 8-0 record i think that's pretty easy to to surmise um they bring back a ton of key players as well you know that's a team who has had a ton of success in the last couple of seasons obviously um but a program that gets Jackson Froisland and Cade Pratt back from a season ago. Both those guys were top performers uh, on that team that nearly won a state title at the tier, at the Division II level. Um, so having those guys back, that consistency, that experience, I think certainly bodes well for them. Uh, BC, 
Yeah, I've taught you've heard me talk at ad nauseum at this point about Clarkston uh, and and how I believe that's a program that's that's here to stay for a while. Clarkston, I think, is on a similar trajectory as Byron Center. I think Byron Center is a couple steps ahead, and that's why you're seeing them contend at the state level and and obviously a, a state finalist uh, last season. Um, you know, I've talked about flashes in the pan and things like that, or uh, you know, a program that has a strong class a group that kind of comes up through the ranks puts that program on the map and then it kind of falls by the wayside after that, that graduating class. I don't think that's the case with Clarkston. I've said that um, quite a bit. I also think the proof is in the pudding here that that's not the case with Byron center either. Uh, Very much the real deal. Um, If you look at the recent success, five straight regional championships, that's not a fluke. That's not wonky. That's, that's, um, the the proof here, you know, as I get into it, um, you know, those five regional championships, the runs to Plymouth, uh, the runs to a state state title game, um, that's in the midst of a coaching change. They've had two different coaches in that span. Uh, that's in the midst of graduating several top performers. You know, I, Trevor Davis is one that stands out to me. That kid is playing Division three college hockey currently. Logan Nicholas is another one. Uh, he's playing in the NA right now. There's been a slew of ACHA prospects that have come out of Byron Center in that span. So as much as they've had like a good group that's kind of come through, they've filled that void with another good group and another good group. And again, here you're seeing Jackson Froisland, Cade Pratt, kind of that next wave of talent to come through uh, for, for Byron center. So again, more of a reload situation and should act absolutely be expected to be one of, if not the top team on the West side again, and potentially even at the state level as well. So, um, problem for me though, is, is I think the conference is going to be pretty loaded this year. Uh, and I don't know, it's always competitive. It's always a competitive conference, a dog eat dog. Um, constantly cutting each other down in the standings or or a record. You don't really see um, teams kind of separate themselves out West because they tend to kind of cannibalize each other. I think that's very much the case this season as well, but I think the overall talent continues to get better and better and better. And now you're in a point where you've got three, four, five, maybe six teams that are legitimate contenders. Um, not just at the conference level, but at the state level as well. And I'll, I'll you know, I'll get into a couple here. Uh, the one team I actually like to win the conference, uh, Grand Rapids Catholic Central. And and maybe that's a bit of a, a shocker to some, but looking at their body of work, looking what they're bringing at, bringing, looking at what they're bringing back, uh, looking at some of the new faces and and new um, prospects that may be coming in. You know, I don't. I don't want to speculate too much until rosters get finalized. Um, but again, just knowing and hearing some of the rumors that are out there, I think GRCC is going to be a really strong program this year on the heels of a 19 win season. You're getting, you know, one of your top scorers back in, in Braylon Outwater. You're getting your goaltender back in Trent Goheen. Uh, you know, Outwater had 34 points last season as a junior. Goheen uh, was in net for 16 of those of the team's 19 wins. Those are two extremely valuable pieces to have coming back. Plus, like I mentioned, uh, a potential huge asset coming in on the blue line. Um, a kid that I liked a lot this fall. 
uh, in just a short amount of time in the NHL. But hopefully, like I said, we'll have more on that later in the season. So um, Cougars got a lot coming back. I like them to, to be tops in the conference, but it's not going to be easy one bit. Um, you know, I mentioned Byron Center, obviously uh, defending champion. We're going to dispute or kind of sleep on the, the defending champ there. Uh, Forest Hill Central is a bit young, but super talented. And I think that's a program, again, that's very much building and, and heading in the right direction. They might still be a year, maybe two years away from, from like a, a really good state run, but it could just as easily happen this season because of uh, the, the guys they have in place and, and the structure and, and the schedule and just a lot of good things happening, happening uh, for Forest Hill Central that I like a lot. Uh, and, and building that program in a, in a really positive way. So uh, my timeline, that could very much get streamlined. And like I said, they could be contenders as soon as this winter. So um, so they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Gibson Grundell is a kid I absolutely love. One of the, uh, you know, one of my top uh, prospects in the class of 2025. I got to make sure I get that right. Um and, and not necessarily because I think he's the best defenseman, but he's just a type of player um, that I wish I could have on my team, right? I just love the way he plays, uh, love what he's about, and, and um, you know, there's always a spot on my roster for, for a kid who plays that way. Ben Melock is another kid, right? He, you know, the family name has been there for a couple of years now and obviously had a huge impact. Benny kind of stepping into that role as, as a top forward for them. They've got a ton of potential I like. Uh, Grand Rapids Christian, they get their leading scorer back in Josh Hooper. Uh, goalie Braden Mellon is also Jack Mickus. I saw him in the MDHL. He was a forward, or a forward a defenseman. I liked a ton in the MDHL too. Prototypical West Michigan defenseman. I've been talking about this for, it feels like a decade, uh, going back and looking at guys like David Brazil and Anthony Malika and Ashton Bowl. It just feels like Every single year, year after year, the West side, some program, it's almost like they take turns, produce a, a big, tall, lanky defenseman who can skate and move pucks. Um, and, and I think, you know, Mikus kind of fits that mold to a T. Uh, Jenison returns a bunch. Jenison is a program that's just been very scrappy, gritty, sneaky, competitive over the years. I don't know that they've had some of the well, they had Anthony Malik, obviously, but it's never a, a program, at least from, from my recollection, that's had uh, a bunch of standout, high-profile prospects that kind of scare you, but it's just two, three, maybe even four gritty, hardworking lines that just that just get shit done. Um, so that's a team you can't sleep on, especially when they have, have the amount of returners they could potentially have this this season. Wreaths Puffer, I know I'm talking about a, a couple of those teams in that second tier, but you know, Wreaths Puffer returns, I believe, both their top and second leading scorers from a season ago in, in Tyler Tyndall and Jackson Stone. So that's worth noting. Hudsonville, like I mentioned, getting the promotion. They make the jump with uh, Owen Plumer up front, his brother Austin Plumer on the back end. Uh, Ryan Seiler in goal. So you've got key, very key returners and contributors at all three levels of your roster. Um, that to me is also huge. I've, I've said and mentioned all these teams. I still haven't gotten to 
East Grand Rapids, who was in the freaking state championship game last year. Um, you know, Chris Newton has done a fantastic job with that program. You look at uh, some of the guys and the weapons they have coming back. Uh, Ian McKagan, Scotty Millman, Charlie Hoekstra, Brady. I believe they were, what was it? The Pioneer, I think it's five of their top six scorers from a season ago. It's a team that, like I said, had a ton of regional success and then obviously state success as well. Um, so there's a ton of pieces coming back for the pioneers. You've got to like EGR, you know, I'll even admit I've, I've kind of slept on them a bit over the years um, and maybe not quite given them their due. Um, but what Chris Newton has accomplished in his time now is, is just undeniable at this point. So uh, EGR is the real deal. And, and, you know, coach Newton has that program in a position where they're constantly reloading and contending year after year, despite graduating uh, pretty high end prospects. I did want to mention one thing here. So uh, Millman, McKagan, Hoekstra, all key returners for EGR, all three playing football for EGR. And a bit of a note here, Millman, the quarterback, McKagan, the running back, Hoekstra, the wide receiver. How about that? Um, so a couple two-sport athletes, potential three-sport. There's a lot of three, two- and three-sport athletes there on the west side, so I wouldn't be surprised if they're maybe lacrosse or baseball guys too. But uh, the football-hockey crossover is a very unique one uh, that not many can do. So uh, for those guys to be a nice trio for the football team and then a nice trio for the hockey team, that's a, a pretty unique story there. Um, Granville, Rockford, Forest Hills Northeastern, like to kind of get back into some of these programs – those are programs you can't sleep on either. Joel Brazil does a fantastic job with Granville. Um, I'd never count them out. Rockford is a scrappy bunch. Forest Hills Northeastern, like I mentioned, they've had a ton of success in recent years. Maybe not quite at the state level like they have been um, when they had names like Famulac and, and Nicholson. But, you know, Eicherman is a nice player. He had eight points in the MDHL this past fall. That's no easy feat. Um, you know, the OKC is going to be tough. <laughs> And, and, you know, I mentioned that kind of, um, uh, you know, the characteristics of the conference where they tend to kind of cannibalize each other and really separating themselves from the pack. I think that's very much going to be the case again this year. Uh, Byron Center, EGR, GRCC, Forest Hill Central, I think all have legit chances of winning the conference. Um, and then a lot of these others that, if they're not in the hunt are absolutely going to impact the hunt by upsetting, you know, uh, 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 BC on a Tuesday night here or, uh, shocking, uh, East Grand Rapids on a Friday night rivalry game. Like you're going to have some of those upsets pulled by a Granville, by a Rockford, uh, by a Forest Hills Northeastern that could kind of rattle the OKC conference landscape there. But, um, one date, you got to circle on your calendar. This is one of my favorite rivalries uh, in high school hockey. December 2nd, it's the first of two meetings in what I like to call the War of the Woods or the fight in the forest, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the alliteration is endless with these two teams. I love it. Forest Hills Northeastern takes on Forest Hills Central. Crosstown rivalry, the pageantry, the excitement. It's everything you love about rivalries all wrapped up into one um, in the high school hockey circles. Forest Hills Northeastern has won seven of the last 10. 
But as I mentioned, with a lot of the young prospects coming in for for Forest Hill Central and and how those guys have developed over the offseason, I think it might be a bit of a changing of the guard in that rivalry, but it's a rivalry and you can never, you can never count anybody out, which is, which is what I love about it. So um, games are always close in series. It's, it's bizarre. Uh, Even going back, I went through as many games as I could find going back on the Michigan high school hockey hub, which has got to be 10 or 12 years now. Um, There's only been one game decided by more than three goals so these games are never blowouts. They're always close. It doesn't matter. Throw the records out. Doesn't matter who's returning, who's who's got new prospects, coaching changes, whatever. It doesn't matter. These games are always close. And and literally, like going back the last 20 games, the average goal differential in this series is two goals. So it always comes down to the wire. Someone's always pulling their goalie. There's a shot at an empty net. There's a late game power play that could even up the even up the score. It's just it's it's everything right about Michigan high school hockey. So um, it, it's one you're going to want to circle and, and keep an eye out for. As I mentioned, some of the heavy hitters in that expected to be in that matchup too: Brendel, Milak. Um, you know, Forest Hills Northeastern has kind of lacked some of those high end prospects, like I, I mentioned from a few years ago with you know Ian Famulak and, and Nate Nicholson. But that hasn't really stopped the the Husky Hawks, as I as I believe they they refer to themselves on on Twitter. I love that. Um, they're just a scrappy, hardworking identity type of team uh, that keeps all games close, not just rivalry games, but but will scrappy and, and muck it up with just about anybody on their schedule. Um, and, and that type of that style will lend itself well to a rivalry game, obviously. So with the, cr- the crosstown matchups, they don't get any better. Uh, kids who grew up playing together are now on opposite sides, families, cousins, whatever it is. It, it makes for a ton of excitement, a ton of drama. I fully expect Patterson Ice Arena to be rocky. Pat- Patterson Ice Center, sorry, my bad. Patterson Ice Center to be rocking that. I believe it's on a Friday night. A uh, ton of emotion that that uh in a game that could go either way even if i do think one team's got more talent than the other or maybe one's got more structure than the than the other it, it's not going to matter throw it out the window uh, because it, it's going to be a fun one um okay so with that that was a ton on the okc and if that's not enough for you if you're still looking for more you still want to know more players to watch or what i'm thinking about uh other teams in the mix obviously feel free to head over to pdspicks.com where you can find everything I'm talking about on the podcast plus a ton more uh, as we get into the season two. So I'm going to shift gears here. We are quite a ways into this and I still got to get through the Great Lakes Conference. I've had a ton of people um, out to me on social asking when the when the Great Lakes preview is going to drop or you know about this kid or hey don't forget about this team. Uh, without further ado, the, the wait is over. Everybody in my DMs, everybody hit me up on social. The time to talk Great Lakes hockey is now. So uh, let's talk about the conference in the sense that some of the biggest names in high school hockey have come from the UD and come from the Great Lakes Conference. Um, you know, I mentioned a bunch of them in, in the preview that'll be up on pdspicks.com. Just 
offhand that I can recall, you got names like Levi Wonder, Alex Nordstrom, Brent and Dean Locus, uh, Cam Markham last season, right? That's just a few. That's just a couple that I can, you know, recall from memory, but all of them have gone on to play high levels of hockey. Markham, like I mentioned most recently, he's in the NA currently with the Wisconsin Windigo. All of those players, respective schools, too, seemingly kind of take turns at the top of the conference uh, in that span as well. Uh, you know, going back on to, to a name like Levi Wonder, um, Escanaba, Hancock, Calumet, Marquette, Houghton. It's kind of been a revolving door and, and spin the wheel and, and see who whose turn it is to, to make a, a trek downstate and, and go to Plymouth for a, a state title run. Um, it's kind of bizarre how, how it's been the last couple of years where even before puck drop and start to the season, people around the state are pretty general, generally aware of who is coming out of the UP. Uh, as I mentioned, a lot of the players and, and programs previously, I don't know that that's really going to be the case this year. Um, you know, Houghton does in fact bring a good amount back, but also graduated, you know, it's three most important players. Um, coaching change as well. Micah Stepich in his first year with the program. Uh, so there's just, I don't want to call them concerns, but question marks. You just don't know what is in store for the gremlins. And it's going to be a challenge. There's going to be growing pains whenever um, you graduate guys like uh, Markham and, and Carlson and, and names like who carried the program for the better part of two, three, four years and had such an immense impact. Not to mention um, the retirement of Corey Markham, who's been a part of the program for a quarter of a century. You know, we talked 50 years of high school hockey. Corey has been with Houghton for half of that. He was with uh, the Gremlins for 25 seasons. Um, so a lot of change going on in Houghton year over year. And even despite kind of being that defending champ and having some pieces coming back, there's just a lot of uncertainty maybe, uh, maybe a couple question marks there that I think ultimately could be answered. Um, but it leaves just enough doubt, maybe the door open just a little bit enough that some of these other programs who, um, who have been building the last two or three years, who have some promising prospects waiting in the wings, it opens the door just enough for a team like Marquette or Escanaba or even Hancock to kind of get back in the mix, Kingsford even. Um, I'm going to get into a couple of them, but uh, that's kind of where I'm at with with the Great Lakes Conference is that there's there's a seed of doubt for me anyways when it comes to Houghton. Um, and they could very much squelch that quickly. Um, but uh, we'll see. I, I think this season in the GLC could be pretty wide open. Uh, you know, Marquette returns a guy like Nash Reapy. Uh, he's no slouch. The Redmen are <laughs> – this is the research I love doing is kind of digging back through – uh, kids profiles year over year and, and crunching some numbers. The Redmen are 24, one and one when Nash repeat gets on the score sheet. Um, so it's a real for opposing teams. Stop repeat, stop Marquette. But this kid is no easy feat. Um, you know, Escanaba, that's another program uh, that's continued to make strides under now third year head coach. 
uh, Andy Johnson. You know, they won 20 games last season. They won a regional championship last season. They're super young. They accomplished all that on the on the shoulders of three freshmen. Cully Hayes played every single minute in goal for the Eskimos last season. Nolan Bink, who I've heard rumblings, um, could be the best forward in the UP uh, this season, this upcoming season as a sophomore. Um, but, you know, again, I will give the kid time to develop, grow, do his thing. Uh, but that's some of the conversations going on that, you know, as, as a, as a, just a second year player could be uh, one of the, one of the next names to kind of come out of the UP Graham Johnson on his side too. Like Graham Johnson's another soon to be currently sophomore, but um, those three contributors who have played that much, had that much experience already. Um, you know, that's a, a program that uh, similar to, Forest Hill Central that I was talking about earlier, where you can see they're ripe for success. They have the potential to be uh, a top dog in a year, two years, potentially, you know, as, as some of these graduating classes continue to evolve and go through the process. But again, they could very easily streamline that and, and be a conference champion, be a state title contender as, as early as this year, if things start to connect and, and go the right way and break right for, for Andy Johnson there uh, in Escanaba. And in fact, is my pick to win the Great Lakes Conference, the Escanaba Eskimos there. Um, it's a bit of a contrarian pick, I know. But as I mentioned, I think this conference could be a little bit volatile with um, with the question marks around Houghton, uh, some other programs in the mix as well. I'm going to get into them in a second here, but Escanaba is, is the school I like there, uh, to get it done in the UP and maybe, maybe potentially make that state championship run. If it's not this year, I am all but expecting it, uh, in the next year or, or two years down the line now, because there's just too much talent, young talent, promising talent on that team, not to, contend or, or be in the conversation there at the state level. Um, couple others. I like to Hancock, Todd Kilpella, uh, you know, he was the Bulldogs best defenseman as a freshman, like this, this, what is it? 20 class of 2026 in the UP is just bananas. Um, from Hancock to Escanaba, Houghton has some studs. Marquette has some, some promising prospects too. Like that class of 2026 is going to be really, really good. And the UP um, is, I think, going to be very competitive this season and will continue to be uh, uh, a scrap for the next couple seasons because that class, uh, there's so much promise in, in the younger in the younger ages there with the freshman class and, and uh, sophomores as well. Um, you know, Kilpella just does a little bit of everything well. Uh, you know, he's a puck mover, good feet, good in transition quarterback, their power play quarterback Hancock's power play last season as a freshman. Like I'm, like I mentioned 18 points in his first year of high school hockey, very high ceiling for that kid. And, you know, as he kind of continues to grow, not just mentally and comprehending the game and, and learning and developing his skills, but also physically, um, just getting bigger, stronger, faster and all that. Um, even Kingsford, you know, you've got a guy like Isaiah Anderson who who's made 44 starts in three seasons. How many teams in the history of high school hockey can can bring a goalie in for his senior season with 44 starts under his belt? That's incredible. 
uh, for the Flippers to kind of have that in their back back pocket. The team was super young last season, so he saw a ton of pucks, saw a ton of work, um, and, and that group really got a chance to learn and grow and develop kind of on the fly and and trial by fire a little bit. Um, but they bring they could bring back as many as twenty one kids from last season's team. Plus you have that experience in net, like you get that. And and like, even Kingsford kind of scares me in in that regard too. So um, Anderson widely considered one of the, you know, the, the best goalie in the UP is, is kind of up for debate between um, you know, Anderson, Cole Kelly at Marquette as a nice goaltender, Bryant Lee for Houghton. All three of those goalies are kind of in the mix for that, the running of, of best goaltender in the UP. Um, so it'll be very interesting, but, you know, Anderson's a guy who, who is no stranger to a ton of pucks on net, having a hot night where he's, he's stopping everything. So, um, with that, you know, I'm not going to rule out a team like, like Kingsford to, to pull off some upsets and surprise some people too. Um, you know, looking at some of these other goalies, you know, Lee, Lee is probably on the best overall team in the conference, right? So he's going to have a, an opportunity there to, to really win some games and, and show what he can do against some top-level competition there for Houghton. Kelly is playing behind one of the more disciplined and structured teams uh, in Marquette. And then obviously Anderson, like I said, a, a super talented kid with, with a crazy amount of game experience that you just don't see at this level. So um I said it earlier, I'll continue to say it, but I just think the Great Lakes Conference is is wide open this year. Um, there's a bit of a front runner, I'll say, in Houghton, like I said, um, given that they're the, the defending champs and and uh, and some of the guys they've got coming back. But, um, but I think there's going to be plenty of challenges along the way, and, and some other teams have have made improvements, made the jump, developed in the off season and, and really could put a scare into, into the gremlins. Um, I believe it's going to be a volatile season in God's country, uh, which will make for, for some dramatic and exciting hockey. Uh, because of that, like I mentioned, I'm going with the Eskimos to win the conference uh, because it, it's very much up for grabs. And and I just can't bring myself to pick, you know, the incumbent to, to hang on there. So We'll we'll go with a bit of a an underdog long shot dark horse there to win it all in in the Great Lakes Conference. Uh, and if they don't get it done this year, like I said, that's a program that it, it's only a matter of time. Um, if it's not this year, it's going to be next year, and if it's not next year, it's like it, it's it's inevitable at this point in my mind for for Escanaba to get things done and, and start uh, really get back into the statewide discussion as far as top teams in, in Michigan. Um, all right. We are 40 minutes in. That was a lot. Uh, we will continue the countdown. Uh, just two conferences left now. I got to get to the KLAA and the MIHL. And I'm looking to maybe get you guys a bonus episode. We'll do that later on this week if I can squeeze it in. Uh, so be sure to hit that subscribe button here on YouTube. Follow on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, threads, wherever you want to get me. And I will update you guys as soon as episodes drop so that you don't miss any of this. Uh, 
season is finally upon us. <laughs> oh, man, I got to clear my throat. <coughs> oh, man, that was bad. Let me try that again. The season is finally upon us. I've got a ton more content coming your way all season long. You know, next week we might even get into the first edition of the the preseason power rankings. I'm going to have to get those out uh, maybe as scrimmages get going and, and people start setting their sights on some of that. I got to I got to get a preseason PD's power ranking out there for you guys. Uh, so that a ton more content. The conference previews will continue. Rankings, stories players to watch, games of the week. We'll have picks once the season get, really gets going in probably two or three weeks here. You guys can